Long, way outside for the three. He's got it. He's got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you after watching Texas and ten- Texas Tech and Tennessee play basketball? How are you feeling? Uh, I guess appropriately, I took a nap afterward because um, I was I, that game stressed me out for all the wrong reasons. Typically, when you watch a good game and you watch like a high octane game, you can feel you can have that sensation, right? Where you're like, oh man, whew, I'm tired. Yeah. And then last night, you're just like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm kind of good with basketball for the night. You know, <laughs> you're just kind of like, I think um, you, you watch a game that's not necessarily the most uh, aesthetically pleasing. And you're like, you know what? I was going to play 2K after this. It's like, I don't feel like anything basketball anymore right now. <laughs> no, no, man. It's just, I, at least you didn't take a nap during it. Not, I didn't take a nap during it, but I feel like a lot of people right, no, no, not very, very easily taking a nap during the game. So um, yeah. we're, well, let's, let's dive into the Texas Tech-Tennessee game. We're also going to talk about the Texas Southern win over Florida and then look ahead to a couple of games this weekend on a little bit of a shorter podcast. But I want to get this out to y'all. So Texas Tech defeats Tennessee 57 to 52 in the Jimmy V Classic in Madison Square Garden in New York. Um, and appropriately, it was played like a 1990s New York Knicks game. Uh, there was a 10 minute stretch in the second half where neither team scored the ball. There were air balls. There were airballed free throws. There were um, just there was the, the bucket that broke up the 10 minute stretch was an offensive interference call that shouldn't have even been called. And mm-hmm. Jay Bellis is like, I don't even know if that was offensive interference. And it's like, it wasn't. And we're just trying to award points here to whoever gets close to scoring. That's what it felt like. And right. Right. So in the second half, Texas tech scores 15 points, Tennessee scores 19 and they go to overtime. They go to overtime tied at 44 a piece. And, um, I believe Tennessee is the one that had a shot to win it at the end because mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Terrence Terrence Shannon goes early, right? He goes with ten seconds left on the clock, misses it. Right. Tennessee runs, comes down, gets a look from three to win it, misses it. Of course, go to overtime. Texas Tech actually opens up in overtime and scores the ball well. Terrence Shannon kind of puts the game away. They score outscore Tennessee thirteen to eight in the overtime, went fifty seven to fifty two, and just like that Texas Tech has a marquee win on the season. So what what were your takeaways from the game as a whole? Yeah. I guess looking but I guess that that last sequence was almost like a very emblematic of how this game went uh as a whole because you had Terrence Shannon who was a really good look. I mean, he got to the rim and literally just like it just short-armed it, right? It was a little layup and he had his man beat. Tennessee kind of collapsed on him. Played good defense, but for the most part, it was a shot that he would make normally. Um, and then on the other end, Tennessee gets real. I think I forgot who gambles for the steal, but they're like at midcourt and uh, somebody gambles for the steal, loses their man. 
And so they have a wide open three and they miss. And so like, it was very much that kind of game. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Will Warren, who's uh, stats by Will on Twitter, he's a Tennessee grad. So he has had his eyes all over this game and he's a, he's a big advanced stats guy. He said, this is the worst three point percentage, uh, three point percentage performance by a D one team on 40 plus attempts since 2010. And the other one was Citadel versus Western Carolina. They went six of 43. Tennessee went six of 40 in this game. And uh, again, it it reminds me of uh, Rockets fans cover years. It reminds me of that game seven where like against uh, Golden State and and Houston where like if they just have a bad shooting night, they win the game. But they had a historically awful shooting night. And so for Tech, you look at that. Honestly, I didn't like that. You know, people are going to look at the low score. And like, for the most part, I do think tech played pretty good defense, but a lot of those were just Tennessee, just like, off. I, was, I was saying the same thing during the broadcast. They were like, you know, both these defenses just getting after it, like just great. Right. And not to say that, and I tech and Tennessee are talented teams, like in their own right. And yeah. they'll have much better offensive performances in this one. It was just a right. night where neither team made anything Tennessee to go to your stat shot two of 21 in the second half. And I probably think at least 10 of those looks were good looks like open looks that I'm like, all right, that's a 50, 50 shot. Right. There was like, I'm trying to think of those. Another shot that I remember. Um, I'm gonna try to look it up while I talk about it, but it was like, it was a breakaway layup for Tennessee and like at the, I think it was in the second half and at the rim, just like somebody met them and like sent rejected it. I forgot who it was. I can't remember if it was McCullough or, um, but I was just like, I was like, it was that kind of game where you're just like, it's like, that's a layup for Tennessee up. never mind rejected. Right. Where it's just like, nobody was getting anything. Um, every bucket that was being made seemed like a terrible shot. Like, uh, it was Davion Warren, by the way, that had a, that other block um and every yeah every bucket was like a weird floater off the glass or something and i I, you texted me this you're like of course it's going overtime (laughs) like like, as overtime happened you're like and of course it's going overtime this game that like nobody really wants to continue watching um uh will also tweeted on twitter he's like uh, new york's never inviting either of these teams ever again (laughs) or they're definitely inviting them back i think that's another way to look at it is that I don't are, think they're ever inviting these teams back. They, they got a flashback of the Knicks. I'm telling you, man. It, he did. He did tweet that too. I like that you mentioned that he's like a touching tribute to the 2014, 2019 Knicks yo, <laughs> basketball. Um, from 1990 to 2019, just all right. those Knicks teams that just yeah. couldn't score the ball. Um, but yeah, like uh, um, I don't know. Like uh, this is one of those games where, like, obviously, if you're Tech, you, I, I, I'm, I, I like the fact that Tech was able to pull out this kind of win. Right. Because this is kind of a this is kind of a question we had heading in. Right. It was like, is, is this team a team that kind of falls off defensively a little bit to maybe get a little bit more offensive uh, firepower? And it was like, OK, well, the offense wasn't there today. So, you know, I like the fact that they were able to pull this off. They were they out rebounded them. I think uh, Taryn Chan had a double double um, McCuller. Like, I still think there are issues with their point guard. I think the broadcast even mentioned a little bit how there's no true point guard on the team. Still. Nine assists to team um, turnovers. Right. And I think that, but regardless, I like the fact they were able to pull out this kind of win because it was reminiscent of the older Texas Tech teams, and they still kind of have that uh, bit of aggression in them to where if the game gets ugly, 
you know, Terrence Shannon was able to kind of put it on a little bit, right? He played great. Like the team as a whole didn't do well. The offense really wasn't there as a whole, but Terrence Shannon himself probably was the best player on the floor. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the defense. So we have, let's, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this game because mm-hmm. the biggest reason Texas Tech won this game to me was because of Daniel Bacho. Played 27 mm-hmm. minutes, 11, bo- 11 boards, four points, two blocks, and he... I don't know if he started the second half. Part of me wants to say he started the second half, but even mm-hmm. if he didn't, he played a majority of the second half and Bryson Williams was relegated to the bench. And that mm-hmm. was where we saw the defense like really start to step up. Cause what did, what, what did you say before the season? You're like, I don't know if Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner can really do this. Like, are they really mm-hmm. going to be that those front court guys that can win you games consistently on both ends of the court and Bryson Williams still is not a great defender and Daniel mm-hmm. Bacho is at least long tall. I don't have his exact height. Let me see how tall he is exactly. But yeah, six eleven. They're tall, the tallest player on their roster. No, for sure. For sure. And he at yeah. least gives you a rim presence there. And he changed the game for me because then Tennessee couldn't shoot the ball. And then when they got to the rim, it was Bacho in the in the middle putting his hands up and contesting everything. Mm-hmm. And that was the difference for me. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if they start Bacho like moving forward like this that, that could be the answer here is that like yeah or at least when they have rough shooting nights right like maybe you should mm-hmm. try mm-hmm. the offensive thing against some teams but then you go all right no it's bacho second half moving forward um i think bacho has definitely overtaken marcus santos silva and you know we we like marcus santos silva but there's a difference between having a 6-6 garbage man and having a 6-11 garbage man like it's just mm-hmm. you know it's a different animal so i thought it was it was his come out game, come breaking out game, and I'm that makes me feel a lot better about Texas Tech's defense specifically because on the last podcast I think it was I said I still don't think their defense is good enough, but right. Daniel Bacho gives them a new ceiling. Yeah, he's I think he started playing. He didn't start the season playing that much, and then against Incarnate Word, he since Incarnate Word on November twentieth, he's been playing double digit minutes with a season high against Tennessee, and I kind of agree. I, I think that you look at those games and you look at kind of where they are and it's like, okay, they do need some time. The teams in the past have worked with those smaller defenders, right? They don't, they never really had a shot blocker or like a six eleven presence, but I feel like the makeup of the team this year may call for something a little bit more different than that. Um, and also I, I do think that in, in, as the season goes along, Santos Silva will probably still be in that rotation. Um, but I do think that I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing Bacho play a little bit more. And then when they called for more defense, they threw him out there as opposed to somebody a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, like you said, Terrence Shannon, I think was probably the best player on the court. I mean, Tennessee's got some dudes for those who don't know. Oh, yeah. And watch Tennessee, oh, yeah. Kennedy Chandler, uh, Zakai Ziegler. Uh, you go down the list this team is really good. And there's a reason that they were ranked. I don't even know what they were ranked in the game. 13th, I believe it was. 13th, somewhere yeah. Around there. Yeah. And for Texas Tech to completely shut them out. And like I said, I, I, some of those were good looks from Tennessee that they missed, but also mm-hmm. whenever they did get in the paint, Texas Tech had a game plan. They knew where they're going to rotate from. They knew how to contest shots. Well, and they also out-rebounded them. That's another thing I probably got wrong a couple of weeks ago when I was like, I don't know if the rebounding is there. And I still question it to a degree, but mm-hmm. also because Tennessee is not like an overly intimidating team. But, I mean, with Bacho, between Bacho, Bryson Williams, and Kevin O'Banner, those three, and then you throw Marcus Santos Silva in there, you have enough physicality. So I'm, 
I feel a lot better about this Texas Tech team now than I did even three days ago because I still like their sure. offensive depth. I still like their offensive skill set. Like Shannon O'Banner, McCuller, Bryson Williams, Adonis Arms, mm-hmm. like those guys are still going to put up points. It's just whenever they don't have those games where they shoot the ball well, they're going to be able to defend, and that's a big deal. Yeah, and now I feel a lot better heading into that. I mean, again, they got good, they got Arkansas State coming up, which they should win. But then they got Gonzaga, right? And this is a Gonzaga team that's very vulnerable. Um, and I think that I like the matchup between this team and Gonzaga because I think they have the length on the perimeter to match them. But also, this Gonzaga team's been a little bit fragile when they've had to go against bigs who can hang around with Timmy and Holmgren. Um, I think we saw that against, obviously Duke is another animal, but we saw that with Ben Caro, who was able to kind of put Timmy in foul trouble. He was able to get a little aggressive with, with, uh, with Chad Holmgren and Chad Holmgren still not a finished product on off on offense. In fact, he's probably been a little bit disappointing on offense. So I think tech definitely has the bodies to be able to make them a little bit more uncomfortable. Um, and so I like that they were able to grind out this kind of win because that might need to be the game they have with Gonzaga, or at least try to have, you know, Gonzaga is much better offensive team than t- Tennessee, but, um, I think that might be how, if they were to beat Gonzaga, I think that might be how they get it done. Yeah. Definitely going to have to shoot better than 17% from three, but oh my God. Uh, well, after that, then we'll, then it'll be interesting to see how they match up. What do you know what day that's on? That's next week, right? That's a uh, Saturday, the 18th. Yeah. The 18th. December 18th. Okay. okay. All right. Um, that's all I got on this game. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting yep. to see how Texas tech does moving forward. Um, but we got to talk about the, the game of the week, the, the game of oh, the year, the game yeah. of the decade, Texas okay, Southern. <laughs> <laughs> did, you try to, did you just try to pump the brakes on me? Okay. Anyways, Texas Southern goes to Florida. Yeah. We talked about on this podcast. If y'all have been listening to the podcast, Texas Southern goes to Florida, continues this incredible stretch stretch of road games uh, where they're just continuing to play, you know, top 25, top 30 teams in the country on the road every single day. And they've been hanging around with teams. They did lose to Louisiana tech last week in their worst performance of the year. Johnny Jones called it. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? They bounce back. They go to Florida and they beat the Gators, the number 20 ranked team in the country, 69 to 54. And if I'm being honest, I don't even think it was that close. Like I it watched wasn't the, that close. So I watched the I watched the 20 minute highlight on YouTube, which showed basically mm-hmm. probably what, 80% of the possessions, you know, is just click uh, back right. and forth. And I watched that and then I watched um, then I did the box score research and everything. And TSU was up 20 for a lot of the second half. Like it was not close at all. Mm-hmm. And you look at it, the one, the biggest thing, the biggest factor is the rebounding. Texas yeah. Southern ends the game with 32 boards. I'm sorry, with 46 boards, 32 defense, 14 offense, while Florida ends with 23 total, 15 defense, eight offense. Texas mm-hmm. Southern looked like the more active team. They shot the ball amazing. They were whipping the ball around, 15 assists. Um, they still had their 22 turnovers, which Texas Southern will always kind of do just because they're always flipping the ball around. But they made some tough shots. They out-rebounded them. They out-hearted the, them. And they got a win, the first win of the year for Texas Southern. Yeah, I went back and watched um, 
because obviously, you know, this game wasn't really on my radar. Right? We kind of no, knew what Texas, Texas, Texas Southern was. They were a team that was competing really well against these teams. But, you know, the past couple of games, it kind of looked like that schedule is finally starting to wear on them a little bit. Um, but then obviously when I saw when I saw that they won, I was like, OK, I'll have to go back and watch this game. So I did. And like you mentioned, the hustle plays were there. Um, they were calm when Florida activated the press. They were they were very calm versus the press. I mean, that's kind of what you uh, I credit to John Walker, credit to um, I'm trying to think uh, Jordan Gilliam, some of the other guys that were handling the ball in the press. Um, they the other thing was their their half court offense. Every single shot came with like five seconds to go in that in the, in the shot clock. Every like I don't know if it was just they were catching tech, you know, napping at the end of the shot clock, and they were just like. Or Florida, I should say. Um, they were catching Florida napping in the half court to where it would wind down and just finally get that bucket. Um, but every single shot came really patient. And the other thing was, there was one particular set that they would run that Florida. I just don't know if they've never defended a back court, a back, uh, a back say, cut. You're talking about the back door cuts that they kept. Running? Yes. So, so they 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 would flash this like five out set. And it'd be the same bucket where it was like the the big would flare out to the to the perimeter. And like sometimes he'd set a screen, but not really all the time. It would just be like somebody along the baseline would just bolt to the rim and there'd be it'd be wide open. And I was like, have they just never guarded a backdoor cup before? Because they got I think they got like four or five buckets yeah. off of that one set. And I was trying to look, I'd like freeze frame. And I was like, okay, is it the same set? And sure enough, five out, like somebody was kind of flaring. Colin Castleton from Florida would follow the big and somebody would just cut to the basket. You're like, they're literally just like doing this, like flashing it like once every every other possession and getting a bucket. Um, that happened, like, I swear to God, I had to like go back and watch. I was like, how many times is this happening? And like, I went back to, uh, yeah. And it was about four or five, six times where they were just like five out spread, boom, somebody goes to the basket and either... Florida would catch somebody like looking at the the big to like expect a screen and lose their man, or they would get like a light screen. And um, I think Walker or somebody would like fake and then go, then cut baseline, fake, uh, yeah. fake the screen and then go. So I don't know. It was a, uh, that was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Cause yeah, it was just like, it felt, a t- it was a team that kind of like, you know, we, we've credited Texas Southern with, with hanging in these games, but it was different when they got up by like 10 and you were like, you could tell that like the momentum and like the, the swagger started to come in. Cause they were like throwing down dunks. They were just like, actually like really starting to like, okay, we're, we can, we're probably better than these guys tonight. And yeah, I don't know. That was, that was, it was insane to watch. Yeah. I, I got the feeling of like, we're not letting this go anymore. Like, right. we're, like right. they were up when they were up like 10 to 15, you know, early second half, it was like, we're not letting this go. Like we've, we've been through too much at this point to right. lose this game. And again, credit to Johnny Jones for getting them bought into what, what they're doing and to continue to fight um, to go to your point of the, the backdoor cuts. It felt like Florida with the press and with their defensive pressure in the half court, just kind of like tried to start denying things and tried to turn up the mm. defensive intensity. But mm-hmm. the thing is, Florida was not bought into that game enough to do that. Yeah. So when you're right. trying to fake pressure, like you're trying to pressure, but you're not really into it, you're going to give up backdoors. You're not going to force the same uh, kind of uh, turnovers or anything like that 
on the defensive mm-hmm. end. And that's where it was just like Florida never was able to get into the game. And I do credit Texas Southern for kind of taking their heart to a degree. Yeah. And that was the crazy part. I mean, John Walker, I think having John Walker as like a bigger guard who can score in different ways is a big deal. Then you got PJ Henry, um, who I thought had a really good game in the game with 16 points on seven to 14 shooting, but Bryson Gresham ends the game with 13 points, four fouls, yeah. three turnovers. And I loved every second of it, eight points. He was, he was a real difference maker here and he didn't look out of place against Florida. Like he looked mm-hmm. physically like he belonged there. And that goes to, he was at Houston last year. That's what Houston does, right? They physically fight. They know how to stay in games in his 22 minutes. I thought were really impactful. Yeah. I think that I mentioned, uh, I have it written down here, Bryson Gresham and Jordan Carl Nicholas, uh, eight call Colin Castleton's lunch. Like Colin Castleton is an all conference center in the SEC. And he did not want any part of what they were throwing at him. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of, let me see if I have Jordan, uh, Jordan Con, seven for seven for 14 points. Jordan Con Nicholas, like everything was right in uh, Castleton's face. Uh, Gresham, you can tell he did not want to board, he did not want to battle in the paint with, with when Gresham was going for putbacks. Um, yeah, I was I was watching that game and I'm like, they're doing this to a guy who I think it was I think Colin Caston was preseason all SEC uh, center, and like it, it just looked like yeah it was it was kind of that I don't know if it was just like a Florida didn't expect to be in this kind of game right which again fair right this is this is supposed to be a tune up game for them yep. and by the time it was a game you could tell it, like it just felt like the guys were like oh god like, all right geez, these guys are like really tough and they're really good and they have attitude and there's like they have real swagger to them. So they're gaining confidence as the game goes along. And like when Castleton finally got going, like it didn't matter because like at that point you're facing two other forwards that are fired up and ready to just like, you know, stuff the ball back in your face or get a put back or something. And it's just like, you could tell that they were completely psyched out at that point. Like about first half, you know, they're still like, all right, this is weird. They're still, you know, they're still like, kind of waiting for that turn to happen and in a way <laughs> it was kind of funny listening to like the crowd too because it was like i think it was like in the second half when they cut it to like 10 or 8 or something and they hit like a three or no that, i think they had a dunk florida had a dunk and the crowd was like really into it because you're like oh here we go right they're yeah. down eight they just hit this big dunk and then like they never went away and like the crowd just slowly started to yeah. go back down and lose all their momentum. And yeah, I don't know. I love that this took place on the road. Cause you could really kind of see how the game was going as the crowd got quieter and quieter. Exactly. Um, but I also love this win for them because, you know, we've talked about it. It's kind of the, 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 the negative of playing for an HBCU where you need all these money games, you're going to play on the road. You know, they don't play at home until January, what eighth or whatever it is. Um, and the fact that they're in the midst of this and they pull this out and, you know, it's, these dudes are going to remember this, right. They could win the SWAC this year. They, you know, they're going to compete for the SWAC. They could win. They can go to the tournament. That's going to be great, but they're going to look back and be like, Hey, remember we beat Florida in Florida. Yeah. Just different. Yeah. Three, three road games or three non-conference games left for Texas Southern UTRGV on the 14th might be the game of the day there. Uh, Cincinnati <laughs> and then TCU are the last three games for this uh, Texas Southern team uh, before conference comes up. So 
excited to see him again. Congratulations to them. Congratulations, congratulations to Johnny Jones. I saw absolutely LSU fans also giving him, you know, his due as well. So nice. All right, let's look ahead real quick. Don't spend too long on it, but mm-hmm. got a few games this weekend. Maybe for those listening on uh, during the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever. We got on the men's and women's side, Texas A&M versus TCU. I think on the women's side, if we just want to look at this, uh, them first, mm-hmm. I expect A&M to bounce back. I don't think TCU has the – I mean, they have the top-end talent. I don't think they have the depth to hang with sure. A&M here. I think A&M gets back on track in a pretty convincing fashion here. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think we're still – kind of feeling out the CCU team. Um, they lost a, a, a nine-point game to Florida, I believe, over the weekend. Um, and, of course, their only other high-profile game was against North Carolina, which, again, North Carolina is just that much better. So I don't know how much you can take from it, but um, I, I, I just, I just kind of hope we don't see – because we're still – cautiously optimistic about this TCU team as far as being like a middle of the pack player in the big 12. Um, I don't, I would hate to see kind of a blowout loss to, to AM, um, which is on the table. Cause again, the A&M, this AM team shoots really, really well. Um, TCU is not a team that's shooting well right now. I believe they're almost 300th and three point percentage. Um, and they're still kind of finding out where they are. I think the defense is solid. I think they're, let me see. They're about 50, 55th in uh, opponent um, points per possession. So, you know, they're, they're solid on defense, but again, a lot of that has to do with maybe some of the competition they've played. Um, again, it's a, that North Carolina game skews a lot, but I just kind of hope we don't see a kind of a blowout, which again, like I said, could be possible, but it's in T it's in Fort Worth too. So you're kind of hoping that kind of goes in their favor. We'll see. Yeah. And then Texas A&M and TCU men play. Uh, according to Ken Palm, this is a two-point game uh, with A&M being a two-point favorite, according to them. Uh, it's, it's hard for me. I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I mm-hmm. think I would be surprised if it broke – if either team broke like 70, that's for sure. Sure. I'm just – I'm looking at this, and on paper, I feel like TCU should should win – but we, what we've seen this season, AM has probably has more impressive results to this point. AM probably is the better defensive team. And I think feel like I trust AM more. So I don't know mm-hmm. who to pick. I feel like this game, and I mean I mentioned it a little bit on the last episode, but it is like kind of like the are either of you good game. Yeah. Right. Or it's like if AM wins this, you're like, okay, maybe start paying a little bit more attention to them, right? If TCU wins this, you know, I, they don't have a real high-profile win yet, but this would probably be the best win of the season regardless. Um, and you might have to start – and they, I'm pretty sure it doesn't get any tougher until conference. So you might have to – I don't know if this is – it'd be them kind of riding the ship because at that point they'd be what's – they play Utah. So uh, Utah tonight, the, the day we're recording this. So – potentially seven, eight wins at that point, um, seven, eight, and one, depending on whatever, whatever happens with Utah. I don't know. Is this team that, is that a team you got to pay attention to? So I feel like the winner of this game is probably going to get a little bit more attention from me going forward. Cause I want to say this is the last tough game for either in non-conference because TCU has Georgetown, which isn't, they're not very good there right now. 
um, Grambling and Texas Southern, which of course can be tricky. Uh, A&M has Tulane, Oregon State, Northwestern State, and Central Arkansas before SEC play. So this is kind of their last test for both heading into the last one. If either team loses this game by 10 plus, ch- check with me on the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we, got some, we got some more sales coming. <laughs> we might have uh, another economy uh, course coming in. Uh, on the, They're playing at the Toyota Center in Houston, so that's something kind of interesting. Uh, neutral. Okay neutral site game even though is that, a, is that a, just a neutral site game or is that like a showcase or something the battleground 2k21 sure you know, you know what that's about is it 2K, I, is, is, is that a WWE 2K thing? because 2k21 is not yeah i don't know is that like a wwe thing because i know don't they have like a battleground game or something i, I don't know you're you're the wwe guy here on this podcast. I, i'm i'm aw sir um Get it right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't look like it is. I'm looking on the website for the Toyota Center. So I don't know. Maybe just some random thing. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, that's that's gonna be a big one though. I will okay. not feel great about whoever loses that game, regardless. Yeah, like of the you, like you said, if, if if that's a double digit loss for somebody, then we got problems to talk about with that team. So I could. These teams theoretically, to me, should be fairly evenly matched <laughs> the thing theoretically is, ken palm doesn't think so but i think these teams should be now ken palm says they're i mean well they're different they're, like, they're separated by 20 they're separated by, by roughly 20 spots yeah but i don't know how, you know. I don't know how much preseason factors into that yeah but that's not that's not terrible i think we'll see it, it'll be interesting it, i i could see this game easily being like 58 55 and just no mm-hmm. breaking 60 and All right, who, who, let's let's take a pick right now. I'm going AM because I've been pretty high, I've been fairly high on AM up to this point. Who do you got? Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go TCU. Okay. I'm gonna go TCU. I think I like the the win over Oral Roberts. They they just got a little bit, but they don't have any other impressive results here. So who knows? They All got right. blown out by All Santa Clara like two weeks ago so who that's true i wouldn't who they they could very well get blown out anyone could get blown out this game if they don't actually play. that's the great part i'm gonna go tcu though all right um baylor villanova on sunday um i watched villanova play early in the season i watched them play purdue i've obviously watched baylor play a few times at this point mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be a higher scoring game i don't trust baylor's Anytime you say you don't trust something from Baylor, you just sound stupid. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to say that. I, I'm worried it becomes a shootout, and I trust Villanova shooters and scores mm-hmm. a little bit more at this point. Unless if, you know, Cryer and them have a break, a really good game, but I, I trust sure. Villanova a little bit more offensively. That's fair. I'm, I mean, Baylor really hasn't played Michigan State, sure, but like they really haven't played anybody up to their caliber, in my opinion. Um, so I'm kind of really hoping to hoping for this to be good. I think the thing with the the Michigan State win, I mean, like Michigan State's played two top five teams that got killed by both. So like I'm trying to figure out how good they are. Um, so that's why it's kind of hard to evaluate Baylor right now. So that's why I'm really, really pumped to see this. Um, because I think this is a really fun test. Because Villanova has been shooting the lights out again, unsurprisingly. Yeah, um, I think they're twenty first in three point percentage right now, almost forty percent as a team. So, yeah, VCU did give uh, Baylor some problems in that game that they played, but VCU is also mm. one of the best defensive teams in the country. So I'm not sure. sure. It'll be interesting to see how Vill- Villanova matches up. They're ranked thirty third in defense at the moment. So I, like I said, 
I got the over in whatever this game is. I think both teams could very well be in the 70s. Um, and that will be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Last game, uh, to touch on it real quick, Houston, Alabama. Um, I haven't seen any Alabama. I've I've heard and you know read about them. I have not seen them. Houston, uh, obviously playing very good basketball at this point. I, w- I don't know what Ken Palm has the projection at. Let's see. Houston, they have Houston losing by one at this point. So, and in, in theory, this hmm. is two of the top 10 teams in the country, according to Ken Palm. Yep. And it's on the road. It's in Alabama. How big of a team that are shooting the lights out. (laughs) Yeah. How big of a, how big of a win would this be for Houston? This would be huge because Bama's kind of feeling themselves right now. I meant like their NATO is kind of a a student of like modern kind of like modern basketball where it's like everything's at the rim or three. Um, And they basically destroyed Gonzaga that way. Um, Did Gonzaga's defense that way. And so if I'm curious if Houston gets drawn into that kind of game or if they can make things a little bit sloppier where, you know, where they want to play, right. If they maybe get some of those shots to be inside closer to the rim, I think they're more comfortable as opposed to maybe scrambling a little bit to some of the, some of the perimeter shots that Bama is going to try to generate. Um, This one's a huge clash of styles. Cause like, again, we've talked about Houston's quote unquote offensive system for a while, right. It's mostly like, We'll get up a shot. We might get the rebound and we get the put back. Um, Alabama is a lot more fluid than that. So I, I don't know what they are in field goal attempts. Let's see, uh, per game. They are, are you talking about 54th? No, no, sorry. Just field, just field goal attempts, okay. uh, three point attempts. Um, I think they're, this one says 54th and three point attempts. 54th. Okay. Yeah. So again, that's still, that's still on up. tempo. Man, okay. See, that's gonna be fun. So, um, uh, yeah, I am very fascinated. But this one might be my game of the weekend, honestly, to just to keep an eye on, um, just because somebody's gonna have to get somebody to play their style of game, right? Yep, exactly. Um, and we basically every game to this point, Alabama's dominated, except for Iona, and yep. I guess South Alabama, which they won by five. But we're talking about thirty-point wins over La Tech, South Dakota State, Oakland. Um, Miami and then Gonzaga by nine. So I, it, it would be a huge win. And at that point, if they beat you, if they beat Alabama, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be really, really high on Houston at that point. Cause I don't see them having the firepower to keep up. Like there's just, I don't think there's a way they hold Alabama to under 80 or like 75. Right. And then you're I mean, last year, them. like the last year's team, like, they, I mean, they played Tech early and they beat them, but like, this would be better than anyone last year's team had by far. Oh yeah. Like if they beat a Bama team, because I think Tech was like top twenty at the time they beat them uh, in their early season, and then of course we talked about their their kind of limitation. I don't say easy path, but like their their path oh, yeah. to the turn to the final four wasn't the toughest, uh, toughest it could have been. So like, this team could already have a big a better resume at this point than the team last year did. That is a good point. That's a very good point. And we will see how it goes. Uh, we'll have another podcast out on Monday. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But we want to get this podcast out to y'all real quick to recap a couple big uh, big wins from Texas teams and then look ahead a little bit to the weekend. So we thank y'all for joining us. Uh, you, if you are listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify. Feel free to follow us, send it to a friend. Uh, and yeah, 
thanks for joining us. Uh, you can follow Ishmael on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. And follow Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball at DCT Basketball, also at TexasBasketball.com. So thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later.